0: Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. Uh, For those of you uh, who may not know me, I've I've met several new people this morning, and that is a great thing. Uh, But for those of you who may not be uh, familiar with uh, myself, my wife, or our ministry, uh, my wife and I were on staff at Sunshine Baptist Church uh, a few years back. Uh, Believe it or not, it's been a few years. And uh, we then were approved in 2013 uh, to be BBFI missionaries to the field of Taiwan as church planners. Uh, So we've been on the road since then, uh, raising support throughout the country. And praise the Lord, we are about $1,500 away from being fully funded, ready to go to the field. So we only need $1,500 more in monthly pledges, which is generally about uh, 10 to 15 more churches, individuals, to help us get to the field. And we're excited about that. We're planning on leaving, uh, with the Lord's permission, by January Uh, fully funded. So if you would, pray for us specifically this fall and the remainder of this summer that God would bring in that last amount so that we'd be able to leave in January for the field and get started. Working with uh, John and April Flowers, who are uh, veteran missionaries there in Taiwan. We're actually going to be meeting with them uh, next week. They're going to be back on furlough. I think they're coming back this week. Uh, uh, they're coming back uh, on furlough for a few months. We're going to be able to meet with them and kind of do some strategic uh, talking about what exactly, how we can help and, and what we can do with the church when we first get there. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up this, this morning to the book of First Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10 is going to be one of our two key texts that we're going to look at this morning. But I want to start this morning off with uh, asking you a question. And the question is probably going to be, uh, 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 a question you don't hear often. Uh, it's probably more of a church question if we get around and talk to each other, but it's not really a question that probably most of us will feel comfortable answering, uh, especially aloud. Uh, So I'm not going to have you answer aloud In fact, if you have a bulletin this morning On the back of your bulletin, there's an outline for our message I just want you to take some time and write down the answer to this question But today, this morning, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, Really, we're going to be talking about dealing with temptation So I want to ask you this What is your greatest temptation? What is your greatest temptation? The Bible says that there is a sin that so easily besets each one of us. What is that sin? What is that, that thing that you struggle with constantly, that thing that your flesh pulls you to, the thing that our enemy uses uh, to, to uh, tempt you, uh, to turn away from obeying God's word and to turn to uh, the thought philosophies of this world and, and the pleasures of sin, uh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life? What is your greatest temptation. I want you to write it down. If you don't feel comfortable writing it down, that's okay. Uh, you might, maybe you have one, uh, a sin, maybe, that if you write down and you think maybe somebody next to you is going to look at it and freak out, maybe move across the aisle from you. Uh, you don't have to write it down. It's okay. You can just think about it. But I want us to, to think about it for just a second because I want us to kind of look at today's message and look at what God is going to be teaching us uh, this morning, really on the idea of looking at through that lens of our greatest temptation. Maybe for some of you, your greatest temptation is, is probably one of mine. I, I have several, if I, if I can be honest with you this morning. Uh, I think all of us, if we're honest, we have several temptations as well. One of mine is the, is the idea of, of finding satisfaction, more satisfaction than I should, in, in what's on my plate, in, in what's in front of me. Uh, and I struggle with that. I really do. But maybe for some of you, your greatest temptation isn't that. Your greatest temptation, maybe it's the, uh, uh, maybe it's the credit card. Maybe it's overspending and, 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 and trying to find your satisfaction in, in a certain brand or a certain lifestyle. Uh, maybe that's your greatest temptation. Or maybe for you this morning, your greatest temptation really is what, what comes in through your eyes. And, and you really deal with, with the idea of what the Bible calls lust. And that is uh, uh, trying to fill uh, sexual needs that are legitimate in an illegitimate way. Maybe for you, your, your greatest temptation this morning is a substance. Uh, maybe it's what's, what comes out of a bottle. Maybe it's what's rolled up uh, in a paper. Maybe it's, it's pills that you take or what you, uh, you shoot in your arm or, or, you, or you snort up your, your nose. Maybe it's a substance abuse, and that is very prevalent. Maybe for you, some of your, your greatest temptation, uh, maybe it isn't one of those things. Maybe your greatest temptation is really more about you. Maybe it's more of, a, of, a, of, a, of a, you have a critical spirit. Maybe you've already found 14 things that you don't approve of so far in the service, and we're not even halfway over. If that's you, maybe you struggle with a critical spirit. Maybe you need to begin to focus on things that are right, pure, honest, and true. Maybe for some of you, your greatest temptation is anger and forgiveness. There's been constant uh, outlashes of malice and anger. Anytime something happens in your life uh, that you don't approve of or you don't like, uh, your immediate response is anger and frustration. Maybe for you, some of your greatest temptation really isn't uh, uh, any of those things, and you think, well, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I don't, I don't think I even have a, a great temptation anymore. Maybe you need to write down pride, because uh, uh, each one of us, if we're honest, the truth is, is that we do struggle. We do struggle. So I want you to think through the lens of your greatest struggle today, your greatest temptation as we look into the scriptures. First Corinthians chapter 10, told you it's one of our two key passages we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at verses 12 and 13. They'll be on uh, the back uh, board, too, if you need, it, you need that. But in your Bible, let's read uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13. The Bible says this, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed, that means watch out, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is as common to man. But God is faithful. Amen. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make, catch this, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. That's why I want to kind of talk to you this morning about a way out. How how do we find that escape passage when temptation comes our way? Because the truth is to be human is to be vulnerable to temptation. So what is temptation for some of you? Maybe this, maybe even your first time uh, in a place like this in a church, and, and and you've heard the idea of temptation. Maybe you think uh, uh, maybe temptation's one of those like old candies that Hershey used to have. Uh, no, wait, no, those were taste stations. Uh, but the temptation is something that is just, it's just kind of one of those things that you're not quite sure what it is. Well, here's really kind of a, a biblical definition of what temptation is. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. If you're taking notes, it's one of your first blanks to write down. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. It's that promise that says if you do this, it will bring you satisfaction. If you have this, it will bring you satisfaction. If you get this kind of station in life, it will bring you satisfaction. You may have to cut corners along the way. You may have to ignore what the Bible says. You might have to kind of live a lifestyle of, a, well, I've been in church. I know what the Bible says, but I need to do this. It's whatever brings and promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. I want to kind of share a story, uh, really being transparent with you about one of my, uh, my greatest temptations. And, and this is kind of going to be uh, a half story, half uh, a confession, uh, specifically to my wife, because this is something she doesn't know about. Um, last week, last week I was coming home from a store and my wife texted me and said, Honey, would you please pick me up a, uh, an iced coffee from Dunkin' Donuts? How many of you guys like iced coffees from Dunkin' Donuts? I do. I really like them. Well, I didn't know this, but as I went to the drive-thru and ordered an iced coffee, they have a, a special during their happy hour, and if you order an iced coffee, you get a free donut. I'm thinking, well, praise the Lord. So uh, I get two iced coffees and, of course, get two donuts. I go up to the window, pay. The lady hands me the iced coffees and the and the donuts in the bag. It's a little bit larger of a bag than normal for two donuts. But I'm saying, I'm thinking, okay. And she says, Hey, listen, uh, I wanted to be, uh, you know, I wanted to be a blessing to you. Uh, and this is what I'm thinking in my head. But uh, I want to be a blessing to you. Uh, the, you know, we're, we're going to be closing here eventually. We generally always throw out all of our extra donuts because we make them fresh every day. I put some extra donuts in the bag for you. Oh, amen. Amen. So I'm, I'm driving on my way home, and the way that I took has, has a couple, uh, like the longest lights in our town. You have to wait and sit because it's two major highways crossing over each other. And so I'm pulling up to this, this, uh, this light, of course, it, it just turned green, tried to speed up, didn't make it, turned red, got to stop. So I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm sipping on my, my uh, iced coffee. It's before dinner time, we haven't had dinner yet. And uh, I, I'm, I'm looking and I'm thinking about the donuts that we got. And I'm imagining, man, I bet you they're pretty good. I have, we haven't had dinner yet, but you know... Maybe one won't be too bad. So I open up the bag, and I reach in, and, and I, I, there's one specific donut I really like. I really love the cake donuts that they have. So I got a blueberry cake donut. So I'm reaching in there, and I'm blindly, I'm trying to keep my eye on the light, but I'm blindly reaching in there for a cake donut. Like, I can tell the difference by touching and not looking. I pull out a donut. It's a glazed donut. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I, I don't, one might not be too bad. So I eat the donut. I'm sitting at the light, and it's still red. I've eaten the whole donut. And I'm thinking, well, I didn't get the donut that I was looking for. So I should look again. And so I reach back in the bag and I'm feeling around. There's only three, it's one in three chance. I mean, come on, that's a pretty good chance. Pull out the next donut, I thought it was it. It's another glazed donut. And I'm thinking, well, my wife has really been trying hard to shed some extra pounds that we picked up on deputation. She's been counting calories. I don't, wanna, I don't want this to be an extra temptation to her because she really, she really likes glazed donuts. So I ate it. Light turns green, praise the Lord. I, I, my, my, I'm, I'm moving away from temptation maybe. And, and so I'm starting to drive down the road and I'm thinking, you know, I've had two. What, what's another one? So I reach in the bag and I finally find my blueberry cake donut and I ate it. So believe it or not, before I got home, I've eaten three giant... I'm not talking about munchkins here. I'm talking about three giant Dunkin' Donuts, donuts and it's not even dinner yet. My, my grandma would probably put me over her knee right at this moment in the story. Well, you see, here's the truth. Coming to Christ, you know, it doesn't really matter how long you've been saved. Um, you can have uh, an REV in front of your name. You can have a PhD at the end of your name. It doesn't matter. Temptation is common to everybody, and, and even if you're a believer, even if you've come to Christ even recently or you've been saved for a long time, coming to Christ doesn't mean the absence of temptation. Coming to Christ means declaring war on the temptation that's already there. That's what coming to Christ uh, has to do within the area of temptation. And the good news is, is that you and I don't have to fight alone. Verse 13, in our, in our key text this morning, says that God is... Faithful, even when we're faithless, even when we're caught, have left ourselves open to temptation, and we're being tempted. Even when we find ourselves faithless, God is faithful to provide a way to escape so that we can get out. So I want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about fighting back temptation. I think it will help us if we kind of look at the process of temptation very quickly, all right? The process of temptation. Here's how temptation will work in your life. Temptation begins with a thought. Temptation begins with a thought. Then it leads to imagination, then justification, then a choice, and then sin. This is the process of temptation. Thought, imagination, justification, choice, sin. So, when you're sitting at the light and you're thinking, duh, I think a donut would be really good right now. Even though I know it's not not dessert time, it's not breakfast time, I haven't had dinner yet, I think donuts would make me feel good. Imagination. You know, I wonder if the ones that she gave me in the bag are extra fresh. I know those cake donuts are really fresh. I made them this morning. Justification. You know, if I bring them all home, they might go stale. If I bring them all home, my wife might be tempted. Maybe I should just go ahead and eat them. Choice. Open up the bag, put my hand in. Sin. I ate three donuts. Hey, maybe your temptation isn't something like that. It's trying to find satisfaction in that. And the reason why I would even, we even bring up something like that, I think that in our culture we we're shy. we try to shy away from stuff like, stuff like that is because a lot of us struggle with it. But uh, the sin is not the fact that I ate donuts. The sin is the fact that my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And I need to take care of my body, just like we wouldn't come in here and and trash this place and destroy the inside and the outside. We need to do the same thing with our bodies. And eating three donuts like like a crazy person is not the way that I needed to be treating my body at that point. I needed to be honoring God and letting him satisfy my appetites, not donuts. Well, maybe your, your, your temptation is not like that. Maybe your process looks a little bit like this. Thought, you know, I'm feeling really sad lately, and I, I, I think I really just want to do something that's going to make me feel happy. I think maybe buying something will bring me happiness. Imagination, I can just see it now. I'll go out and I'll be wearing my dress, I'll be wearing my outfit, and and people will be looking, and and they'll say, wow, you look so good in that outfit, man, that just, it it takes, that takes 20 pounds off of you, and and you just look so young, and that outfit just looks incredible on you, darling. Maybe some of you that are in social media, uh, you can already see the posts now, right? uh, You post the picture on Instagram, and Oh, uh, it's happy face, smiley face, hashtag gorgeous, you look amazing in that dress. Like, 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 right? And and you're imagining how people will respond. And you go to a justification of it. You don't have the money for it, but you justify, well, you know, I haven't bought anything in a while. So it, it should be okay. It should be okay. Choice. You know, I think I might go down to the store that I really like, XYZ store, And I'm just going to look at the sale rack. You go down there and you look at the sale rack at 25% off. Praise the Lord. Jesus wanted me to have this outfit. You bought it. You didn't have the money for it. Sin. Maybe your your process is a little bit more um, like this one. I'm bored. Thought. I'm bored. I I, want to feel good inside. Imagination. You know, I saw... This girl the other day, I saw this guy the other day, and you know, it had brought up some, some feelings in me that I haven't had maybe in a while. Justification, well, you know, everyone does it. It's common in our society, it's free. You know, it's not a, it's not a big deal. And, and my, You know, my spouse, she's not really, he's not really meeting my needs anymore the way that I think that he should or she should. And So I think, yeah, I think it'll be okay. Choice. Go to that internet site that you've heard of. Pick up your phone out of your pocket. Maybe you're a, you think, well, you know, I, I'm really good at erasing things. that People won't really figure, figure it out. Uh, you go there, sin. Maybe that's what you struggle with. But you know, temptation, wherever it rears its head, we need to recognize something at first off. We need to recognize that temptation at the start. It's one of the most critical moments of temptation. That time, that time when it becomes a thought is one of the most critical times in temptation. And how do we prepare for it at the beginning? How do we fight our way out? Well, this leads us to our next key passage. Would you turn over a few uh, books to the book of James chapter 4? James chapter 4. If you're in Corinthians, you head towards the end of the book. Hebrews, James, right before the three set of Johns and Revelation. James chapter 4 gives us an idea of where do we start when we begin fighting against temptation. James chapter 4, verse 7 says this Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I want to look at just two things this morning that I hope will be an encouragement to you and help you in your preparations for taking on temptation. Number one, the first thing we need to do if we're going to fight temptation, we're going to fight and we're going to find that way out. The first thing we need to do is we need to submit to God. We need to submit to God. Now, I know that for, if you're like me, uh, that's not generally where you start when it comes to temptation. When temptation arises, if you're like me, you start at the resisting stage. You want to resist it. It's gloves on. Uh, let's go. Let's ready to rock. We're going we're gonna to fight this temptation. You go to the resisting stage immediately. But the truth is is that you and I don't need to start there. We can't start there. We must start every day submitting ourselves to God. Why? Because you and I are not able to fight in spiritual battles with our own power. Our flesh is just too weak. The Apostle Paul said it this way, the things that I want to do, I do and the I don't do, and the things that I don't want to do, I do it. I'm a wretched man. My flesh is so weak. And the truth is, is that you and I are no different. Our flesh is weak to sin. Our sinful flesh is too weak to resist the temptations of sin by itself. You and I need that power that comes from the Holy Spirit and living a life submitted to God. That's why every temptation, if you're taking notes, that's why every temptation is really also an invitation to depend on Christ. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. What does submission mean for you? What does submission mean for you? Maybe for some of you in here, submission to God is not just submitting to God's uh, lordship. For you, submitting to God is submitting and and coming to grips that what you're doing is sin, because the truth is that you and I, we live in a culture, and we can be part of that culture. We live in a culture of masterful justifiers, that we find a reason why it's okay to do whatever it is that we were doing. We live in the temptation of people who live their lives, uh, and Christians are no different. We can live our lives, and we have all kinds of justifications. Well, everyone else is doing it. I look around the church and everyone else is doing it. It's okay. Look, and, uh, listen, God made me this way. Uh, I don't know about you, but God made me this way and, and, and he understands me. And, and if, if this is what I struggle with, and, and then he must have just allowed that to happen in my life and, and, and it's okay because God made me that way. Maybe for you it's a justification of well, you know, that's just the way that we do it nowadays. I know that that's the way that they used to do it back then, but that's just that's just back then stuff. This is the new age. We're enlightened now. We got technology, and this is the way that we just do it now. And this, but you know, it's wrong. Maybe for you, you think well, maybe it's not a big deal. Or one I've heard a lot of is well, it's just it's my one thing. It's my one thing. You know, I I, I, I try to live a a good life, but I have that one thing, and I just hold, I keep that in my back pocket because you know, that's my one thing. Listen, whatever it is that your justification is, we need to realize that every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ, and we need to submit to God. For some of you, submission looks like understanding that whatever it is that you're doing, if it's inconsistent with what the Scripture says if it's inconsistent with what God's word has said, if it's inconsistent with a life that looks like Christ's life, then it's sin. And all God's people said? What do you say? If it's inconsistent with God's word, if it's inconsistent with a life that looks like Jesus' Christ's life, because if you're born again, That's who we're supposed to be imitating. That's who we're supposed to look like on this planet. We're supposed to look like Jesus. And if it's inconsistent with what he looks like, if it's inconsistent with with, what the word tells you how we should look like, then it's sin. Maybe that's where submission needs to start for you. Maybe for others submission really needs to be more of a daily activity. I know you think, well, I've submitted to God. I, I, I trust in God and 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 my life is His. Maybe for you, submission needs to be more of a daily thing. Maybe it needs to be a a special time apart from your time in the Word of God, apart from a time when you're asking God for things and you're pouring out your heart to Him and He wants you to do that. But maybe it's apart from that. Maybe it's when you first get up in the morning. And maybe it is you need to say, God, my life is yours today. My eyes, my ears, God, my hands, my feet... My mind, my heart, I submit my life to you this morning. Maybe, guys, if you're like me, you get up and you're in the restroom and you take a look at yourself in the mirror. Maybe you need to have a heart-to-heart with that man in the mirror. And maybe you need to say, you know what? Today we're going to live for God. God, today I'm going to submit to you. For some of you, that may, that may kind of seem kind of wacky. You're talking to yourself now, Corey. Hey, maybe for some of you, that's what you need. You need to submit to God in a way where you hear it come out of your lips yourself. Where it's not just a thought, a casual thought, of, oh yeah, I submitted to God, I'm Christian. Where you need to say, God, today, this day, the Lord, the day that you've made, I'm gonna rejoice, I'm gonna be glad in it, but today I'm gonna submit to you and to your word. Your word. Maybe that's what it looks like, a purposeful level of submission. But whatever it is for you, I want to tell you that when you submit to God, you become stronger because you choose to rely on God for your strength to fight the temptation. Secondly, let's look at the rest of James chapter four, verse seven. It says, submit to God, resist the devil. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil. Number two in our fight, For a way out in fighting temptation is once we've submitted to God, once we rely on God for our strength to fight in this battle, we need to resist the devil. How many of you would say, I've heard somebody say this before, uh, well, I just couldn't resist. I just couldn't resist. Well, with Christ's strength, you can resist. There's a story of a man named Omari, and Omari was a, a Kenyan. He lived with his mother, and he They they lived on this orphanage property, and it was just him and his mother taking care of 37 orphans uh, in Kenya. And in an area of Kenya where there was all kinds of bandits and thugs, and constantly their orphanage would be attacked by these bandits and thugs, and Omari would would fight them off. Uh, uh, These bandits would want to come in, would want to take advantage of these young people. Uh, They would want to take the men and put them into their their ranks and their militias, the ladies they would want to use and abuse. And, and, And so Omari stood in the gap. And then finally they understood, hey, Omari was the only one there fighting. So they said, well, we need to just go in and we need to take him out. So one, more, one, one night, in the middle of the night, Omari awoke, and he was surrounded by three men who were holding machetes, ready to kill him. But Omari wasn't going to just sit there. Omari leaned over, grabbed the only thing he could grab underneath his bed, which was a hammer, and he started whacking at him. He started screaming at the top of his lungs, ah! And he would attack them, and he, they, 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 they didn't know what to do. All of a sudden, they jumped out of the bedroom. They ran down the hallway. They didn't know what was going on, but they ran out into the courtyard. And Amari would continue to attack them, screaming at the top of his lungs, "Ah!" trying to make sure that he could awaken the kids and make sure that they find some help, get out of this area. These people are coming to get you. He would drive them. Finally, he'd drive them, and he looked back, to make sure that they were okay, and all of a sudden one of the guys hit him right in the face with their machete. But he, stood, he kept standing. He turned right back at them, face bleeding all, and continued to scream and continued to wave that, 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 that hammer. He was continuing to fight, to stand in the gap. And you see, that that's what me and you, we, we need to do. You and I, that's what we need to do. Because we need to understand that Christianity is not a playground. Christianity is a battleground. And when temptation comes our way, we need to rear up our heads and we need to scream out, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And we need to understand that our Christianity and our life to be looking like Christ, it's not a playground, it's a battleground. And God has left us equipped to fight that battle. Remember the armor of God? We're to put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. We're to have the shield of faith. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, we're to have the belt of truth and our feet shod the preparation of the gospel of peace so that when temptation walks around the corner, we can stand up and say, hey, I've been waiting for you. And we can fight back. We need to live lives that are like that. We need to be ready when temptation comes because it is going to come. Because if you are human, you are vulnerable to temptation. One of the best ways we can resist temptation Truthfully, is to eliminate it wherever we can. Proverbs chapter four was written by the most wisest man ever. His, his wisdom was given to him by God, and he, he's writing about temptation to his son. And here's what he says in, in Proverbs chapter four, verses 14 and 15. He says, "Enter not into the path of the wicked, Go not in the way of the evil men." I love verse 15. He says, "Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it." And pass away. It was kind of like a dad, he's sitting down with his son. He says, Son, listen, I want you to understand something about temptation. When you are tempted, the best thing you can do really is to just eliminate it before it becomes a temptation. So here's what I want you to do, son. I want you to avoid temptation. And just in case you ain't hearing me, son, I want to say it this way Don't pass by temptation. Listen, I know you can be thick-headed. You youngins can be thick-headed. I just want to say it another way. Um, When you see temptation, turn from it. And just in case you ain't listening, you need to pass by temptation. That is how serious temptation is. You and I, we need to resist temptation. We need to ask ourselves this question. Ask yourself this question. Why would I resist temptation in the future when I have the power to eliminate it today? Why would I resist temptation in the future when I had the power to eliminate it today? For some of you, that eliminating that temptation means you just need to skip that aisle in the store. Or maybe you just need to skip that store in general. And you need to pass by that temptation. Maybe for some of you, you've got a group of friends you've been friends with. Maybe you've been friends with a long time. And, and every time you're with them, they draw you into temptation. And it's a snare for you. Maybe for some of you, you need to find a, a, a new group of friends. Maybe for some of you, uh, your struggle, you know, maybe you go out, you go to the gym and all you can see is body shaking around and you struggle with that. Maybe for you, you need to work out at home and you need to stop going to the gym. You say, well, that, that, Corey, that, that's a little bit ridiculous. No, it's not. Temptation is not a ridiculous thing. In fact, temptation leads to sin and sin, it cost Jesus Christ's life. God is so serious about sin; He's created an eternal place of punishment for it. There's a place called hell that God pours out His wrath on sin forever. That's how serious God is about sin. Maybe for some of you, temptation means you need to put some restrictions on your browser. You need to use uh, uh, filters on your phone. Maybe if you're a techie uh, and you know how to get around all that stuff, maybe you need to do what uh, Pastor Bill says. You need to get a dumb phone and get off the smartphone. You need to do whatever it is you need to do to resist and eliminate that temptation now before you, before you have to face it later. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 18 says this. For in him, this is talking about Jesus, for in him he himself has suffered being tempted. You know, Jesus lived a life here on earth. He knows what temptation is all about. Yet he lived, he lived a life with, with full of temptation, yet without sin. He passed the bar. The Bible says that he is able to succor them that are tempted. That, the idea of succor means to give aid to bring in the reinforcements. You know, for some of you, you need to have a time in your life where when temptation, if you're struggling with temptation, you haven't been able to eliminate it, you need to take your temptation to Jesus. You need to say, Jesus, I need you to call in the reinforcements. I need your help to eliminate this temptation now so that I do not have to face it in the future. You know, for some of you, that's not a big deal. You've had a relationship with Jesus for a long time. Maybe it is that you just need to get your life in order. You need to eliminate the temptations that are struggling in your life, the ones that you wrote down, the ones that you thought about. We need to deal with those. We need to submit to God on those things, and we need to resist. We need to fight and find the way out. But for some of you, that idea is impossible because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You can't call on Jesus for the reinforcements that you need because you're not one of his children. The Bible says that every person has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And your sin, my sin, it separates us from God. The Bible declares people who have sinned are enemies of God. Not everyone's God's child. Not yet. There must be a time in your life when you've turned from your sin Turn from those temptations that you appease annually and and daily and weekly, and you turn to Christ. See, the Bible says that your sin that you've committed, the things that you've thought, said, and done, the things that separate you from God, God doesn't just look past those things. In the olden time, he just winked at sin, but now he calls all men to repent. The Bible says that if you sin, you are going to earn a wage, a payment for that sin, and the payment for that sin is death. Not just a physical death, but a spiritual death. You will be placed in that eternal pit called hell where God will pour out his wrath upon you and upon you because of your sin. But God loves you so much. He doesn't want that to happen. So he put into plan, into motion from the very beginning of creation. He put it into a plan to save mankind. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, who came to 2,000 years ago, was born in Israel. The Bible says that he was born of a virgin. Miraculously, he 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 was born and miraculously he lived because he was both man and God in one. The Bible says that he was tempted yet without sin and he lived his entire lifespan on this earth without sinning because he went to a cross to be a sacrifice for God's wrath. The Bible says that God placed upon Jesus Christ the wrath of God and the wrath of of what he has on sin. He placed it on Jesus. And Jesus died on that old rugged cross. And he died and he was buried. The Bible says that three days later, the Holy Spirit of God raised Jesus from the grave as if God was saying, I accept the atonement of Jesus' sacrifice on behalf of mankind. And so Jesus opened up the door so that you and I, we don't have to live our lives under the power of sin. We don't have to live our lives as as people who are separated from God. We can be drawn near to God because of what Jesus Christ has done. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There must be a time in your life when you've looked at your life, and you said, I can't do it on my own. And you've called out to Jesus. The Bible says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There must be a time in your life, young person, old person, it doesn't matter who you are, no matter what stage you are in your life, there must be a time in your life when you've come to grips that you can't do it on your own. You've called upon Jesus for salvation. Have you done that? Would you bow your heads with me this, this morning? I want to pray for you.